Okay, good evening listeners. This is live from Studio 220 Granite. <laughs> Number four. You know where our door's at? Especially the Millers who dropped those cookies off. They were so good. Thank you very much. And welcome into our home. It's that time of the day. We have all the work's done and it's time to play. So let's hit that play button and start it off now. Babes, you know the next stop. I really do, babes. So today we're going to answer some questions, um, talk about faith basics. Mm. We're going to talk about COVID-19. We're going to get into a game right off the bat. Wow, okay. Are you ready? <sighs> Let's do it. Okay. Straight up, straight, we're going to play a Which Would You Rather. <laughs> I got a couple of hot questions for you, babes. And the first one is actually very reminiscent of a question that our friends, Nick and Dana, ask mm. on um, dinner dates with folks. Are you ready? Let's play. Would you rather be trapped in a small room with 10,000 tarantulas for oh. 10 minutes oh. or eat 10 tarantulas in 10 minutes? They're both terrible well of course that's why it's a which would you rather oh well i do you know me heck no i'm just gonna answer on the fly when you're done i guess i'm reminded of harry potter okay and when he goes into fangorn forest and all those spiders come out and he's battling them mm -hmm. so if i had a wand i would that's not part of this <laughs> you're just you <laughs> You're always trying to change which would you rather. <laughs> well, if it's like There's hypothetical no... anyway, what who what, how come you can put You're trying to beat it. You can't beat which would you rather. It sucks either way. It always does. <laughs> you have to eat it. Absolutely. Okay. So, fear factor or as both are fear factors. <laughs> totally. <laughs> are the tranches live? See, you're always trying to, like, get context, but it's a which would you rather. There's no context. It just is. <clears throat> I think I would rather... I'm concerned about which one would hurt me the most. Of course. I would rather have wounds outside of my body than... No, wait. I think if I eat the tarantulas, I have some control over their their response to me. So I can chomp them before they chomp me or something. Ugh, I just don't want to do that. You don't have to. It's hypothetical. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which would you rather? I think I'm with you. There's the, the control aspect of it and also the time aspect of it. In 10 minutes in a room full of 10,000 tarantulas, I would be freaking out the whole time thinking of what they're going to do to me or what they are doing to me. Whereas if I've got 10 minutes to eat 10 tarantulas, I don't have time to think. I just got to get in there. I got to munch and crunch and mm. get out. Yeah. I don't think I could do it, but that's just <laughs> what I think. <laughs> but you're going to munch and crunch. I'm just going to get after it. Oh, like those crab legs tonight. <laughs> <laughs> they were succulent. <laughs> You love that. Love you. Thanks. Would you rather lick your best friend's foot or let a stranger lick your foot? Lick my best friend's hands down. You're not going to let a stranger lick your foot. You have, no you have nothing to lose except it's kind of gross. I know your cleanliness, your hygiene. Oh, I'm your best friend in this scenario? 
Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. She's <laughs> melting. I know. I was cute. Okay. Who? Oh, I'm 100%. A stranger can lick my foot. I'm sorry, dude, but like, or chick, but that's just how it plays out. You gotta lick my foot, and it's gonna be gross for both of us, and more gross for you. So, stranger? Stranger. Yeah, that's well said. <laughs> now, I know it's a hard transition from a foot licking to theology. <laughs> wow, moving right into it. Huh? But I believe we can do it. I absolutely believe in a. So, the book we chose is Christian Beliefs by Wayne A. Grudem and Elliot Grudem, Father and Son. Uh, 20 Basics Every Christian Should Know. If you don't know this, you should know it. Whoa. A little too harsh. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Recommended by uh, one of the church elders at Sovereign Hope, where we go to church. I really respect and love. And we chose it because we wanted part of the podcast to be about faith and thought this would be a helpful discussion starter and give us clarity on the Bible. I think that's very true. A lot of the questions we got back from people ended up being basics of faith types of questions, which is why I think this book is excellent because when we have those basics, when we have the foundation laid, then we can explore all these other questions that we might have. But if we don't have the foundations, if we don't have the basic questions answered, then we really don't have anywhere to go and go off the walls. Okay, so thoughts on the first chapter. First chapter? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, the title of the first chapter was, What is the Bible? I guess I thought one of the bi- biggest things that stood out to me was that the Bible doesn't have an answer to all of my questions, but that it does, it is sufficient for what is needed to know God. What was the three things you said? To be a Christian, to live as a Christian, and to grow as a Christian. Yes, that was one big take home for me, because I know I can get stuck in questions that God doesn't answer in his word. I can get stuck in that camp and then never come back to what God does reveal that is sufficient for me to trust him and follow him. So, yeah, what about you? I think because of a lot of questions we got based on how can we trust the Bible, the authority of scripture part stood out to me, um, saying that we trust the Bible because we know from scripture that God spoke all of scripture in one way or another into its being. So if we trust God, then we trust his words. Hmm. And if we don't trust his words, then we don't trust God. Hmm. Okay, why don't you ask one of the questions from the book? Well, we can be vulnerable. There's a supplemental book to this called Theological Clarity and Application, Equipping Leaders in Biblical Doctrine by Scott Thomas. That's where these questions are coming from, but Ellie and I both had one question that we couldn't answer with clarity well together, but under the authority of the Bible, the question was, critics argue that the Bible's proof is based upon circular reasoning. Upon what is this accusation based? What do you think about this accusation? So that's one question we had that didn't understand. 
We can't answer because we said we didn't know how to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> how can we say that the Bible is clear when Peter in the text above, 2 Peter 3, 14 through 16, says that some things in it are hard to understand? We can say that it's clear because it's clear on the things that are necessary for us to know, to love God, know him better, and grow with him. Not everything is going to be crystal clear, hmm. which is fine, but the things that are necessary for our belief in God are clear. So we can say that it's clear because the necessary things are clear. Hmm. That's helpful. I think that's right, too. That some things can be hard to understand, and that doesn't keep us from being unable to understand the things that are clear. Mm -hmm. So I'm not off the hook if I find something in Scripture that I don't understand. I can't say, well, then if I can't understand this, then the rest can't be understood or trusted. Yeah, yeah. Especially because it doesn't change the complete narrative of the Bible. <laughs> because there are themes throughout that are consistent. And just because one thing doesn't make a lot of sense, then it doesn't negate everything else that is in congruence with one another in the rest of the Bible narrative. <laughs> That's good. Um, this is helpful, learning how to ask good questions just thinking through some of the questions in the chapter yeah why is it important maybe you touched on this earlier already honey why is it important that the bible be the basis for our beliefs well we talked about if the bible isn't the basis for our beliefs then anything else can be and usually that means our interpretation of life which means we're putting ourselves in a position to say that we are more knowledgeable about a topic or life in general than God himself who created life. Hmm. And if we believe that the word of God, the Bible, is God's word and instruction, then we have to defer to that if we are putting him in his rightful place above us. Hmm. It's hard. It requires humility. Mm -hmm. That I don't think happens apart from God's grace. Kind of makes me think of what we talked about earlier today that under the context of how is it that someone comes to trust the Bible, there are many credible arguments, historical being one of them, that are convincing and compelling for someone to trust the Bible. But ultimately that how someone comes to trust it is that they see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, or like Paul says in Ephesians, as you read these things, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. So don't toss out the arguments, but at the same time, ultimately, someone becomes convinced of the Bible's trueness and authority based on the beauty that they see there. I think that's true. That reminds me of Ryan's story of coming to faith, which I don't think unless the Holy Spirit opened his eyes to see the truth of the gospel, 
it just it, in human terms it, it made no sense for him to go to this random guy's house and this super broken individual just read him like the genealogy of Jesus and Ryan had no context for that in his life but upon hearing that genealogy he just knew that he was in the presence of truth and like you can't you can't make that up you can't, <laughs> that's not what I would have chosen for Ryan's story of conversion <laughs> if I was gonna like try to bring Ryan to faith or anyone I would try to choose like really strategic passages to mm. like outline I don't know the gospel the the Roman road or whatever people mm. use but he was literally just read the genealogy of Jesus and he was like this is truth and that completely changed his life and he gave his life over to Christ like you can't make that up the Holy Spirit obviously opened his the eyes of his heart to see truth and it wasn't by this man's like argument, a good argument or eloquent speech about mm. the gospel. It was just yeah, the Holy Spirit changing his heart in that moment, which is sweet. Yeah, and should give us freedom too in evangelism. It should give us confidence in evangelism that we don't have to do it perfectly, so long as we're speaking truth of the Bible. God can use that. Mm. He can use anything. But if we're speaking truth, it it won't return void. It doesn't have no effect on a person. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I remember one guy saying that the gospel, when it's preached, it either hardens or softens, but there's no in between. I think he was preaching about Jesus going through Nazareth. I could be wrong here, but and he says that Jesus pronounces his woes to them in some other cities, but the the, the reason he was pronouncing woes is because he did many miracles there in order to point to himself for salvation but many of the people of his own hometown shrugged him off and said isn't this Jesus the carpenter and the point the preacher was making is that there's no such thing as middle ground and that indifference is the same as unbelief hmm. so that was eye opening to me I guess and that you're the more you hear the gospel, the more responsible you are to the truth of what you hear, which is sobering for someone who doesn't believe. I think this is a helpful question, and maybe we'll move on. We don't have to. Sounds good. What is one issue that the Bible speaks clearly on? What is one issue the Bible does not speak clearly on? And how does this affect the emphasis you should place on these issues? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You want to take that one? Sure. So one thing that the Bible is very clear on is how to be reconciled with God, how to be in right relationship with God. There are several passages that outline what it looks like to become a Christian. So if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10 9 hmm. so there I mean John three sixteen, whatever uh, several different passages that tell you very clearly that if you believe that Jesus is God's son and that he died on the cross for your sins as a necessary redemption and then was raised to life again three days later and is living then you'll be saved something that the Bible 
isn't super clear on was a question I asked Jesse. I've always been confused about that if angels are created beings by God, he created them and Satan chose to not be with God, if he chose to want to be higher than God and was cast into hell for it, like how did he have that ability to sin? Like where did that sin come from if God perfectly created these heavenly beings in his own perfection? How did sin enter the world just at all? <laughs> yeah, it's baffling mystery. I think I just want to be, ca- be careful not to slap answers on those types of questions. Like we talked about it earlier about that it's okay to wrestle through questions the Bible doesn't answer and that the Bible itself claims that the gospel is a mystery and yet at the same time have to hold the tension of there's this sufficiency of what God does reveal in this gospel that's enough to be saved and to know him and to follow him and grow up in Christ but at the same time there's these questions like you just asked that aren't unreasonable anyway I was saying that as like I don't want to just get questions like that and then just slap on the answer that that this book said about the secret things belong to the Lord and that's true Mm -hmm. that's true I think there's a way you can share that with somebody and also be listening for the heart of their question and what they're trying to get at yeah. Be willing to enter into it with them, but then also come out of it and land on the place that moves you guys forward. Exactly. Go deep into it and then but come back out and say, Well, what do we do know and what are we responsible to know mm-hmm. for the revelation God's given us? Yeah. It's okay to wrestle with questions that don't have obvious answers. Just don't get stuck there. Which mm-hmm. I think is what they're they said, what does that say about the importance that you should give each type of question so i guess you would say that the things that are very clear in scripture that's where we camp that's where we grow in and Hmm. make strong have strong convictions about and the questions that we don't necessarily have answers for that's not where we decide to have arguments with people yeah and our faith doesn't fall apart in those yeah and it just coming to mind, I guess God doesn't say that our faith will grow more in the areas of speculation and the unknowns. And again, not that the questions shouldn't or can't be asked, but that what he has given us in Christ in his word is enough, like the Timothy verse that we were reading before. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are available to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Yeah, that's what you said, putting emphasis on what is clear is the filter and not putting emphasis on what isn't clear so this morning's Easter service they had a video that talked about the coronavirus and how people have been asking whether it's hard to maintain faith in the midst of coronavirus Hmm. 
and I thought it was interesting. I don't know what his name is, but that guy said, yeah, it would be really easy for us to be scared and it's okay to process those emotions, but ultimately we go back to what we know is true about God and that's where comfort is and that's where peace is in the midst of disruption is what we do know which is why it's so important to camp out on the things that are clear in scripture because they give us a clearer picture of who God is. Hmm. So in these moments, like in coronavirus, when there are seemingly a thousand questions that we don't have answers to, we can ultimately go back to the truth of what we know about God and his character Hmm. and so that we can have peace in knowing that he is good, he is sovereign, and that he loves us and we can root that in scripture so we don't have to be afraid the truth that they brought up being this is temporary and we know because of the truth of the bible that there is a life that is eternal beyond our time here on earth and that is far more weighty than what we're experiencing now so death here is sad and to be processed and to be talked through with people but eternal death is so much more weighty so what are we going to do with that yeah i thought that was helpful what you said about it's okay to walk through the fears of the coronavirus and what they bring and they can be revealing of where our hope is at i think it's important to remember that in christ if you're in christ god is working all things for our good and our good is to be made in the image of God and like Paul says that and so if that's true part of that good could be stripping us from the hopes that we have in this life that are so small in comparison to God and his glory and being with Christ we don't we actually it's all upside down we don't long for Christ as we should we don't, but we don't. We also can't see that clearly until God brings. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> <laughs> let it out. Let it out. <clears throat> until God brings trials and afflictions our way. Uh, I think what I think a wrong understanding I had of God in my suffering was that as a Christian in in trials and afflictions, that my faith should be steadfast as an arrow and I should have no wavering but that's untrue not only in experience but also in the Psalms themselves where those whom God has saved like David many of his Psalms are alone and afflicted and feeling forsaken by God so it's just not biblical even to say that Christians won't or shouldn't have fear in the midst of Uh, life and death situations but I think what I'm saying or what I've seen in in the scriptures that speaks to that reality is in Paul's words to the Corinthians says uh, blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so in order to know this father of mercies and God of all comfort there has to be affliction is what I'm saying there's not affliction happening in your life the degree to which you experience the comfort 
of this Father of Mercies is to the degrees of your affliction. I just, I guess, I just see it there in the text. I don't know what else to say about that than that. But no, I think that makes sense. I'm thinking like I'm getting a visual of like the crushing and pressing that has to happen in order for us to get delicious wine <laughs> or olive oil or whatever. These good things come from crushing and pressing. And I think that's true of the Christian life. Oftentimes the growth spurts that we have are in intense suffering. And it's not like we look forward to those moments, <laughs> um, but it's so sweet to see how God redeems all those things, <laughs> how he uses everything um, for the Christian to their benefit. Um, okay. I just want to give a shout out. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Quick suggestion. All y'all listening tonight. Quick suggestion. Get it right. I do just want. Listen to my wife. <laughs> okay, I do <laughs> want to wrap this up. Hit it, baby. <laughs> I'm trying to wrap this up so we can go to bed. <laughs> okay, all right. I remember when. Stop, Jesse. You're pushing your own bedtime back. Okay. It's the wind down hour with Ellie and Jesse. To all you lovebirds out there tonight, trying to make your way in the world, two things for you. God will show you the way, and if you... Stop right now. <laughs> that fist. Okay. Top, top coffee shop right now in Missoula. Go. Anything that's open. <laughs> Top breakfast place takeout right now. Go. Dog and bicycle. Mm, you have been loving that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Shout out dog and bicycle. Thank you for your great service to our home. You brought us coffee the other day. It was wonderful. It's true. Very sweet gal brought it up to us when there was only two of them working that day. Word, word, word. All y'all been howling at eight? Howl. Stop. <laughs> You have to stop. I've always wanted to do that. All right, that's got to stop. Literally, I've been for minutes now. For a literal like you three minutes straight. You were just making jokes, and I'm trying to wrap have you been, how, up. Have you been laughing for the last three minutes? Yeah. How enjoyable has that been? It's been so worth it, but okay. I'm trying to move you toward that bed. I all sit back, throw on a little jazzy tune. We're going to wind it down now. <laughs> So I think across the board, coronavirus is obviously affecting people so differently. But what I've been mm. seeing a lot of, and I don't know if this is true for our circle of friends who will be listening to this, but certainly some, people are getting super bored. So I thought we should throw out one suggestion each of how people should be, or a suggestion on how they could be spending their time. So what do you think, Jess? During this corona time, I say take advantage of it talking to myself now too actually if you're married i guess i can speak just from that experience might not get this time again to be with your wife or your husband and to grow in friendship where you're you're forced to in some ways and i would say dig more into the word and uh, spend use this time to spend with christ and in prayer and uh, knowing him more, knowing your own heart more as he reveals it. And, uh, yeah, deepening intimacy with him. Yeah, so I'd say just not to waste it. What I would be doing, ideally, if I was not working right now, 
said I would try to make a plan for myself every day, um, which would include, I think, partly spending more time in the Lord, extended time journaling, and the other thing I would be doing is chasing after the creative projects I've wanted to do but been too scared to do or felt like I just didn't have time Hmm. to do them because now that's not an excuse. So I would say if there's something that you talk about a lot but you feel like you never have the time to do, now is the time to go after those things. So those are our suggestions for those of you that are feeling the boredom hit hard. Mm. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us tonight. And I would say if you are having a hard time right now with social distancing or the boredom or just all of this is getting to you, let us know so that we can be praying for you. Mm. Do you want to pray for the peeps right now? Sure. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, pray you would comfort those that have been affected directly, Father, by coronavirus who have uh, contracted it and those who are in fear of contracting it. And, uh, Father, those who are fearing uh, the isolation and not knowing how long this will last. Father, I pray you be merciful and use this um, to some degree suffering for some that you would use it to deepen their understanding and suffering of Christ for them on the cross. And thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. And um, this time, pray you'd comfort us, God. Uh, pray us in your name, Jesus. We love you. Thanks for your presence and for dying for our sins in our place to be with you. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. If you've made it this far, we appreciate it and you. Um, if you have any questions that you want to hear us answer, DM me on Instagram. I'm at Ellie Fow, E-L-I-P-F-A-U. You as an umbrella. <laughs> and uh, that's it. So long. Goodbye. God bless. Have a wonderful week.